Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter-Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from Stanley Hall, discussing the 1998 slasher film, Urban Legend. This film was directed by Jamie Blanks and written by Silvio Horta. Following the reemergence of the slasher subgenre after the 1996 smash hit Scream, this film creatively repurposed urban legends to tell a cohesive story set against the backdrop of familiar horror tropes. While the film was poorly received by critics, it was a financial success that would go on to spawn two sequels and create a cult following. So, Urban Legend, what were your first impressions on the film? I was a child. Uh-huh, <laughs> so was I. <laughs> <laughs> and this was some of the coolest shit I'd ever seen. Like, I thought it was awesome. And, like, watching it now, it's, like, less magical, I'll just say. <laughs> but I feel like the premise is so cool that they can get away with a little bit more than they would have if it if the premise had been different, if, if that makes sense. Like just a standard slasher? Exactly. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little older. I, I was about a teenager, you know what I mean, when I seen it and mm -hmm. it came out. And uh, I, I didn't remember it as much as I thought I did, but watching it for the show, I was... You don't look very... Uh... <laughs> we, we try not to talk. If we yeah, have really to watch hard. it at the uh, same time for the show, but I can attest that there was a lot of head shaking <laughs> from him. <laughs> well, it's because I, you know, I want to, I want to say something or I want to talk to your sister, but then I'm like, I can't. You like know, we're trying save to it, save it, save yeah. it, keep it fresh, right? Um, I, I have some questions, mm -hmm. and uh, the movie's okay. I mean, it's not the greatest, but it's all right movie. You know what I mean? It's not bad. Uh, a there's, glowing recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> there's some things, but we'll get more into it, you right. know, as as it goes. I I was with Nay, of course. I loved this as a kid. Mm -hmm. It was kind of one of our childhood staples. Mm -hmm. Not to the level of a scream, right, 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 but one that we did watch the absolute shit out of. Yes. And as much as I as I do agree with Nay, I do agree with JP. It's not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. It's not perfect at all, but. The premise is just so incredible. Mm -hmm. It's so smart and inventive, I think. Yes. And I don't think this movie gets the credit it deserves for that premise. I agree. And then even some of the cameos that we get. Yeah, it's man. It's like this film was made for horror people. That's what it feels like. Mm -hmm. All right. And it, <laughs> you're like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Whatever. I feel like in an era of Scream clones... This deserves way more recognition because I, it's not just a scream clone, although there is a lot. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get the credit it deserves, but having said that, this has scream DNA. Yeah, I don't know if there were times I was like, did Kevin Williamson <laughs> do uncredited rewrites or some shit? Like, for real. Yeah, but it's. Didn't I know what you did last summer come out the year before this? I think it might have. I think it was. Because yeah. they were both uh, Scream 2 and I Know What You Did Last Summer were 97. Yeah. And uh, interestingly, Scream 2 also has Rebecca Gayhart and Joshua Jackson in it. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> so that's odd. I did think that they were admirers of the Scream franchise. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll say that for sure. Yeah. But there, there is no satire here at yeah. all. <laughs> it's just, here's a movie and uh, we're doing what you this. get. <laughs> Now, before we hide in the backseat of this film's car, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. 
If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's pass it on. So the film opens with an overhead shot of a downpour of rain along with the opening credits accompanied by a somewhat eerie main theme that I liked. I like it too. Rain is good. <laughs> rain is good. It's a good atmosphere at the start yeah. of it. Uh, first things first, we got to talk about the title. Please, because my first note was that I've been calling this movie Urban Legends mm-hmm. my whole life. Me too. <laughs> yep. Like, Please tell me I'm not the only one. No, I didn't know that until you said that right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I just watched the movie and yeah. I still didn't even like, like, oh, Legends. Yes. I'm so. dumb. <laughs> well, the thing that makes it difficult is that they have two sequels and both the sequels are called Urban Legends. Probably because they were like, oh, we should have called it yeah. Urban Legends. Yeah. We, we fucked up bad. <laughs> but the other thing, and I'm not sure why they chose this, but the opening font is the exact same opening font for John Carpenter's The Thing. I feel like, like I said earlier, this is a movie made by and for horror people. And so I'm sure that that wasn't an accident. Not unintentional. Right. And I and I wasn't holding it against them. I was like, hey, that's the same. No. You're I, like, those motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to look it up to confirm it, but I couldn't. So it was just my own eyeballs. <laughs> it's not bad. That's my source. My own eyes. <laughs> but we then see a long shot of a car driving on a road at night. And it's apparently not raining anymore. Did you notice? It's just... <laughs> yeah. Like, forget about that. But inside the car is Michelle Mancini, played by Natasha Gregson Wagner. I was wondering if Mancini was a nod to Don Mancini. It was. Child's play. Okay. Yeah. Well, then there we go. Also, of course, elephant in the room. This actress is Natalie Wood's daughter and Robert Wagner's stepdaughter, which is a can of worms that <laughs> we probably shouldn't. Let's talk about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll save that for talk more. <laughs> but we hear the voice of Sasha Thomas played by Tara Reid on the radio. And she's reminding listeners that they're listening to Under the Covers with Sasha on WZAB, the voice of Pendleton University. Honestly, this is a really risque show for a university Very fucking much so. radio. Yeah, I was wondering what the fuck was going on. Yeah, I was like, my university would never. No. They'd be like, Skinner, this act is over. <laughs> she has a great radio voice, though. Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty fantastic. This might be the first thing I ever saw Tara Reid in. Yeah, I... I, me too, I think. Then she goes on to Sharknado, I guess. Uh, yeah. Moving on up. <laughs> Good for her, right? <laughs> on the radio, a sophomore is confessing to borrowing her roommate's birth control pills and replacing them with baby aspirin. Trash. Absolutely. <laughs> Another urban legend, by the way. Yeah. Which I, I'm sure has happened. There are some of these that I'm like, that had to have <laughs> yeah. happened. It happened to my sister's uh, boyfriend. Nephew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But apparently now this girl's roommate is pregnant and she's like, how am I supposed to get a roommate this late in the semester? That's her issue. Because that's the concern. That's her problem. Michelle, who I guess is over the broadcast, reaches in the back of her car for a tape and accidentally veers into oncoming traffic. She narrowly avoids a collision and just continues driving. (laughs) I thought that was funny. I was like, let's not (laughs) just think about the fact we almost fucking died. Yeah. Just like, whoopsie, whoopsie. tunes, yeah. yeah. Oh, I found that tape. (laughs) (laughs) But she pops in the tape and it's Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. And she starts to sing along in the way that you do when you're absolutely alone. I was going to say me driving though. Yeah, I can't even falter. But she continues to drive and sing, getting most of the lyrics wrong. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) More than ever. Yeah, she's like, I... Close. That was close. She's feeling it, man. Her lips disappeared while she was... <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. But we see the fuel gauge in the car slowly dip to E just as she passes a very busy gas station. Why did her gas light come on so late? 
she needs to go get a tune-up or something. Right <laughs> <laughs> it's not what you're supposed to do. Like, oh, no. But just as it begins to rain again, she notices the low fuel light blinking, like you said, and it's her tank is it's empty. empty. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what that light means. No. It's supposed to be like a preemptor. Yes. Now you might be out of gas. Yeah. Soon. <laughs> but she pulls into this empty Texas Chainsaw Massacre looking gas station. Yes. She honks her horn for service and looks around. Gas is only $1.14, by the way, which is pretty damn good. <laughs> the good old days, I guess. Right. Out of nowhere, Michael McDonnell, a gas station attendant played by Brad Dorif, fucking rushes at her window and knocks on it. It's funny because I haven't watched this since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so when we got here, when I was rewatching it, I was like, why do I remember that this guy is Brad Dorif? <laughs> I'm like, let me see who plays him for real. And then they can clown on me for thinking it was Brad Dorif. And then it was fucking Brad Dorif. <laughs> yeah. I was like, how is this happening? It's crazy because I read that he went uncredited for this. Yeah. yeah really? Which is very odd to me. I wonder me. why. I don't know. Because they show his face and picture yeah, like, throughout. <laughs> they do. You know? And if you have Brad Dorif on the fucking yeah, cast. Yeah, brag about it. Yes. Yeah. But through a stutter, he asked Michelle if she's run out of gas. She says that she has and asked him to fill up the car passing him her credit card through the barely rolled down window. He looks at it for a moment before walking over to the pump and she's like, freak show. Well, he looks at it like he's never seen a credit card before. <laughs> he's like but a caveman. I'd be like, is he a ghost? I was just unfrozen yesterday, so <laughs> it's all new to me. But in all fairness, did you get a look at that credit card? That it was lo- like a... It looked like the yeah <laughs> fake ones that yeah, come in your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, really? Yeah, <laughs> I guess I'll try it, but... and. I gotta say, her calling him a freak show. He's literally out in the pouring rain. Yeah, yeah, he's putting in gas. I mean, what the fuck. So, and also Mancini, and then Brad Dorf shows up. Just saying. No, it's great. Michael gets to work pumping the gas, but we see him peering through the back passenger window. Oddly, he retreats back inside the gas station itself, looking behind him at her car before he's completely out of sight. Michelle just sits there as the car is being filled with gas, and a few moments pass, and then Michael returns to the car through his stutter. He asks if she'll come inside for a minute because her credit card company is on the phone and they want to speak with her. Michelle very reluctantly heads inside with him after slyly grabbing some pepper spray. I'm sorry, smart. I mean, yeah, and no, that's, yeah. seriously. Yeah. You expect all your horror, I guess, protagonists to be a little dumb. Yeah. yeah. But this is actually a genius Yeah, move. I'm glad that, that she did grab it. I was yeah. like, okay, okay. You're alone. This dude's yeah. a little creepy. But once inside, Michael immediately locks the door behind them. Michelle goes to pick up the phone, but only hears the off the hook beeping tone. Is that what you call it? Sure. All right. Yeah. Stair hole. <laughs> yeah. She only hears the stair hole on the other end. And the music gets really tense just before Michael approaches her and she runs past him for the door. She tries to open it, but he grabs her and tries to tell her something only for her to pepper spray him in the face. But couldn't he have like said that like from across the room or been like, oh, hold on. You know? <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> He yes. did his best. I think I think that's why yeah. they built in the stutter, but he didn't have to grab her. Yeah, no, that was... that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Little much. That was a bad move. Yeah, but he collapses to the floor in pain, and she throws the telephone through the window, shattering it and creating an exit for herself. Smart, again. again. Yep. But she climbs through, and Michael is trying to grab her again, but she's able to get away from him. He's screaming for her to stop, but she's not about that life. She gets back into her car and Michael catches up with her, pounding on the hood and begging for her to stop. I'm guessing it's opposite day because Michelle steps right on the gas. (laughs) (laughs) She runs his ass over and breaks out of the parking lot. Michael slowly gets back to his feet, the rain pouring down all around him as he screams, 
someone's in the back seat. Iconic. Absolutely. Iconic moment. Brad Dorif, to me, everything that I've seen him in, he usually gives the best performance of no, the, he's oh, yeah. of the oh, film. Yeah. And he's here for maybe a few minutes and he already is a scene stealer. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, probably because I think that her performance is not great. <laughs> No, not at all. <laughs> and it's funny because I read that she took this role because she said it was something, I'm trying to get the quote right. It's something meaty that she could sink her teeth into or something like that. Well, I think she bit her tongue instead. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's funny. I remember, you remember the show Night Visions? Of course. That was one of the greatest shows so good. Fox ever did. It was hosted by Henry Rollins. Yeah, for, <laughs> for some reason. And he was just like pissed off the whole he time. He was. <laughs> but she was in an episode and I remember she was in an episode with Pam Greer, which interestingly comes up later. Huh. And I remember as a kid, I was like, ooh, she's not great. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I digress. We then see Michelle driving through the rain, trying to collect herself after the ordeal she just went through. Bonnie Tyler continues to play as we see movement in the backseat, followed by a shot of what appears to be an axe. Oh, my God. Maybe I'm like really late to the party. It just dawned on me right now that the song's telling her to turn around. Yeah, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> no. Yeah. I And again, there is some little smart moments that, here. Yeah. That took me 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But we get this pretty neat shot of the silhouette of the killer and the axe as the lightning strikes just before Michelle looks in the rearview mirror and gasps in terror. So there was somebody in the backseat. Yes, sir. There was indeed. (laughs) Yeah. No bullshit. Michael McDonald doesn't bullshit. No. (laughs) But the killer swings the axe, connecting with Michelle's throat and crashing through the driver's side window at an angle that doesn't exactly make sense. Yeah. No, it doesn't. The shot's great, but it's like, I don't think you could get... (laughs) The axe was long, man. But, I mean, the shattering of the glass and the blood makes for a cool visual. Yeah. Although murdering the person driving the car probably Thank isn't you. the smartest. I, <laughs> I wrote there as a like, dude. I didn't even think in, of that. You're in the car. Yeah. You're going to crash. What happens next? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you killed her. Where do you go from yeah. there? And you're in the back seat. I did not think this through. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because, oddly, we see the axe just disappear. It, like, fades away. I don't know what that means. It was a magic axe. Wow. Now listen. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this opening is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's like almost up there with Scream's opening for me. Fair. But I just want to add again how extra fucked up it is that she did everything right. She did. She stayed suspicious. She armed herself. She ran away when she thought she was in danger and she still fucking got got. And that's a smart subversion. Yes. Because this is the stuff you'd be screaming for this character to do. Why would you go in there? Why would you like, I mean, she she, does it. She did everything right. And it's funny that you say that because I wrote down in my notes, I was like, this feels kind of almost like a Drew Barrymore moment. Yeah. To where it's kind of a shock to be like, oh, shit, they killed Natalie Wood's daughter. (laughs) You know, (laughs) in the first 10 minutes. Exactly. But after this scene, we're taken to Pendleton University. I did also want to point out in the opening credits, we see that one of the producers is named Michael McDonnell. So that's Brad Dorff's <laughs> character in the that's film. That's funny. thought it was interesting. But anyway, a bell chimes as we get some sweeping exterior shots around the campus before finally settling outside the window of the WZAB radio station. Sasha is taking another call from her show from a girl named Felicia. Apparently, Felicia performed fellatio on a gentleman. Correct. And let's say that she's feeling gross about a choice she made regarding 
<laughs> the disposal of the evidence. This is a family show. I'm trying to... <laughs> okay, now it's a family show. Yes. Um, again, another urban legend comes up because she's like, am I going to have to get my stomach pumped? If you recall that urban legend, for some reason, always circling around Elton John. Yeah. Which always, uh, just seems... Leave him alone. Honestly, just kind of homophobic and <laughs> yeah. cruel. Rod Stewart, too. That's I've true. Heard it, I've heard Rod Stewart. Mick Jagger, I've heard. Yeah. It's a lot of... <laughs> that's very... This was an epidemic it back was. in the day. It happened to everyone. But Sasha chastises her. Actually, she kind of goes in on her a little bit. She does. Basically telling her that she shouldn't reproduce. It was a little <laughs> fucked up. Well, she says it's a safe sex no-no, and the girl's like, it is. <laughs> but... Again, I was waiting for the dean to just burst in and shut down. Like, no, 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 none yeah. of this. But Sasha gives her some advice and then ends the broadcast as we transition to a coffee shop where students are listening in. Now, I know we said it a lot at the top, but this radio chatter feels very Kevin Williamson to me. It does. Like, just. It does. And it's funny because he got his start writing for, like, teen dramas and stuff on the mm-hmm. WB. And the guy who wrote this, Sylvia Horta, went on to create Ugly Betty. Ah. Uh- so it's like, are you same wheelhouse? Yeah. yeah. But we see Natalie Simon, played by Alicia Witt, bring coffee to her best friend Brenda Bates, played by Rebecca Gayhart. Natalie asks Parker Riley, who is Sasha's boyfriend, played by Michael Rosenbaum, how Sasha comes up with some of the shit that she says on the radio. <laughs> Parker says that she devours Cosmo magazines, which yeah, sure, okay. I mean, <laughs> I don't All know. Right. But just then, Brenda sees Paul Gardner, played by a pre-Fight Club Jared Leto, enter the coffee shop, and she prompts Parker to finish the story he was telling about Stanley Hall. I didn't know that Paul Allen went to <laughs> to Pendleton before he got into mergers and acquisitions. He probably had a weak business card at this point, though, right? <laughs> but Parker sits right up and launches into the story, which I did not know he was telling. No, because they were listening to the exactly. radio. <laughs> but apparently... There was a professor on campus about 25 years ago who, in his words, taught physics or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, who is a journalism major, corrects Parker and says that the professor taught abnormal psych. Parker continues. The professor went berserk, grabbed a hunting knife, and headed to Stanley Hall. He knocked on the doors of students, and everyone who answered got their throat cut. He eventually ends the spree by stabbing himself through the heart, and according to Parker... This spawned the birth of the annual Omega Sigma Phi bash. So a party to commemorate yeah, a massacre. <laughs> Paul sits down at the table, basically calling bullshit on the entire story, saying every university in the Northeast has a similar legend, which is seconded by Natalie, who asked Parker for proof that any of this even happened. I did think every university in the Northeast, what an odd, vague <laughs> region. Yeah. Weird thing to say. Never in the South. They never once... <laughs> But Parker's like, that's the thing. And then he launches into this entire Pendleton University cover-up conspiracy theory. So he went on to be like fucking Alex Jones or something. (laughs) But Paul just absolutely clowns his entire ass for suggesting something so ridiculous. And then he has to bail. I guess he gets paged. It's the 90s. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, ooh, a pager. He goes back to the newsroom, I guess. (laughs) Parker snarkily gives Paul a $5 bill, saying if there's another E. coli outbreak in the cafeteria, he wants Paul to have the biggest, juiciest burger on him, which fucked up. And of Paul takes it. Which oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, man, being a college student. That's a... <laughs> but Paul does take the money and he leaves, saying that the article about the E. coli almost got him the student Pulitzer. And I'm like, man, they're really hammering home we that he works yeah. we get it, we get for it. the paper. This cast, though. Hmm. Like, I know we haven't met everybody yet, but this cast... 
I only know the one guy from Sorority Boys, and that's it. <laughs> I don't have any. I didn't know. I won't even lie to you. I didn't know who the fuck Jared Leto was until really. Um, he did that movie, some movie about the Yakuza on Netflix. Or no, no, no. Wait. He did no. He was Joker. I yeah. don't know who the fuck he is. Well, he was the worst Joker. Like, he was well, the okay, worst yeah. Joker. But well, okay, he was I mean, worst Joker. But, he, but <laughs> that was what he was yeah. credited as. Thirty seconds to Mars. That's not the credit I would go with. But <laughs> American what is, Psycho. What there is you go. that? It's a band he's in. Oh well. Oh, moving I mean, on. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Well, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that these people. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But yeah, I like Tara Reid maybe, but even that, that's just. Well, I know Alicia Witt was on Twin Peaks, and she was in another David Lynch movie. Um, Can I ask, was she good in that? Moving on. Well, yeah. I <laughs> no, just I, want to, I guess, put it out there up front. I do not like her in this at all. I think that's one of my biggest problems with this movie is her performance. It's so flat. I, Maybe that's what does it for me. And she's the main character. She's the main yeah, character. Yeah, okay. Maybe that's what <laughs> takes me out of it, because it does... You know what I mean? It's weird. It, it doesn't work for me. I feel like she's just very miscast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Definitely. Well, I read that they had approached Reese Witherspoon, and hmm. she said no. Wow. They asked Jennifer Love Hewitt, All and right. she said no because she didn't want to be a scream queen after doing. I know what you did. I last know what summer. you did right. last summer, and then do. Who doesn't want to be a scream yeah, queen? I but know. what a dumb um, excuse. I know. Yeah. Jennifer. Isn't she like on. Me- not medium, uh, ghost, ghost whisperer. whisperer or some shit. Maybe she doesn't scream on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> she just, she's cool with the ghost. Oh, they don't scare me. whispering. Exactly. No, screaming. no Dan- ghost screaming. <laughs> Danielle Harris auditioned for Natalie. Okay, so Danielle Harris is my actual wife, and <laughs> I would... You're a polygamist. <laughs> I am. I Look, confession time. No. Um, I mean, we'll get to her later, but exactly. they, I, they turned her down. I think that's my issue, is that when you're going after Scream's audience, basically, how are you going to have someone that's not at least on the level yeah. of a Nev Campbell? Oh, yeah. yeah no. Or, you know, so you have Danielle Harris who auditions for the role and you give her a different role. Yeah. When she should very clearly be playing this role. Yeah. Oh, uh, Melissa Joan Hart as well turned it down. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Hmm. Well, <laughs> sorry for going off on Alicia Witt. I'm sure she's a nice <laughs> I, person. I'm sure she's a fabulous person, but... The whole movie, I'm like, why? It what? feels like she's auditioning for the movie in the movie. <laughs> yeah, she's outshined. Like you got the part. Yeah, just, she's outshined by show us what smaller you can do. characters. Oh, no, yeah. Just, it's just odd to me. No, I agree. But Parker leaves shortly after Paul does, saying the problem with Paul is that he can't stand any big story without having his byline on it. And then the scene ends with Brenda just absolutely gushing over Paul. Yes, she clearly <laughs> has a thing for Paul. Yeah. Absolutely. Later that night at the quad, Brenda and Natalie continue discussing Parker's story about Stanley Hall. All the talk of urban legends inspires Brenda to coax Natalie into attempting to summon Bloody Mary at the site itself. They approach the building and the entrance is all boarded up except for a small hole in the center of the door. Brenda just launches into the chant, eerily saying Bloody Mary four times. But aren't they supposed to do that in front of a mirror? Thank you. Yeah. I don't know why they expected this to work. That was never <laughs> yeah. the and legend. And that's not even the legend for Stanley Hall. Like, no. Yeah. What the fuck? I don't know. It wasn't, yeah, they're like, well, Bloody Mary murdered every student here. That was never, it was just an odd, if you want to work in Bloody Mary, there's plenty of other ways to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Just a very odd choice here. But Natalie chuckles out that last Bloody Mary and the girls laugh when absolutely nothing happens. 
I just found it so odd that a movie called Urban Legend gets like the most famous one <laughs> wrong. That's true. And they, one of the films in the series is all about Bloody Mary. And so they were like, we fucked that. Let's they go had ahead. To, yeah. Yeah. That was Correct an apology. That. Yeah. But suddenly the girls hear a man screaming in pain from behind the door. They start to back away from it, but get jump scared by Damon Brooks, played by Joshua Jackson. Okay, but there was actual screaming coming out. <laughs> yeah. How was he, if, if this is supposed to be him doing that, how the fuck was he doing that? <laughs> like, why aren't we talking about that? He's They're taking, just like, oh, Damon. Yeah. He got lessons from Mary Shaw. Or... <laughs> but this is a step up from uh, film class guy number one in Scream it 2. It is, it is. So good for Josh. The hair, though, is a step yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> I even, I was like, that hair, though, was a like, God. That was a choice. And, and that's weird because they clown him for his facial hair, but they just let the <laughs> yeah. bleach blonde thing go. Blonde. But apparently he kind of has a reputation of a jokester. So him scaring them isn't entirely surprising. They say that they'll see him in class tomorrow and he's just off. <laughs> he's like, my work here is yeah. done. <laughs> so long, ladies. But Natalie remarks that he was halfway normal before pledge week. So I guess he joined a fraternity and it fucked him up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But that night on the way to her dorm, Natalie gets jump scared yet again. And this is his credit, by the way, by Weird Janitor, played by Julian Richings. Now, the jump scares are a lot in this movie. And this one was real predictable and really boring. It was. And I think that's my pet peeve with there is a such thing as a good jump scare. Oh, no. Yeah. But if it doesn't lead to anything like. Yeah. We got the shit scared out of us to be introduced to Damon. Yeah. We got the shit scared out of us to be introduced to Weird, weird Janitor. Janitor. <laughs> like, it led to nothing. The but... weird guy. <laughs> Natalie apologizes and brushes past him, but he just stays there mopping. He does turn around to look at her as she leaves, though. I wasn't sure if this was the seeds of like a red herring situation or if he was just looking at her butt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to vote red herring. Well, here we are. Either way. <laughs> but Natalie makes it to her dorm and busts in on her roommate, Tosh Guaneri, played again by my actual wife, Danielle Harris, and she's making it sweet with some random nameless goth guy to the tune of Spook Show Baby by Rob Zombie. <laughs> Pretty good track. Pretty great. But Tosh yells at her to turn off the light, which she does, and Tosh just continues doing it. Right. They even move to the bed, which is hilarious to me because apparently getting busted by your roommate is not a mood killer. She's like, oh, no, no, let's keep... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say stop. <laughs> but Natalie listens to some easygoing pop music in her bed, like some Lisa Loeb or something, <laughs> to drown out the sounds of Tosh's moaning and rolls over to get some sleep. But we then get this shot of bare trees as the sun rises on a new morning, followed by some overhead shots of the campus. We're then taken to the classroom of Professor Wexler, played by horror icon Robert England. Freddie! Uh, it's Freddie. Yes, dude, I'm... Okay, very quickly, I feel like Robert England, he, everything he's in, he feels like a fucking thespian. Like, yeah. he really does. He classes up the joint, like, almost like Tony Todd. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like both of those dudes deserve some meaty, meaty roles. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't mean like a Kalachi. I mean like a. No. <laughs> <laughs> Kalachis are good. I, really? Yeah. I've never had one. Is that just Texas humor? Because I don't know. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. We're limiting our audience. <laughs> you guys know what Big Red is? <laughs> <laughs> but in class, they're discussing, you guessed it, urban legends. And 
holy shit, does this class seem awesome? I was going to say, I would love to take this class. I know I said that in Candyman, but I would would have both of these. I would register for both of them. You're consistent. Uh, Yeah. And of course, I have to say it, themes of the film being explained to the main character in a classroom setting, Halloween, Halloween, you know. And of course, as you just said, very reminiscent of Candyman. But Wexler goes over the legend of the babysitter receiving obscene phone calls. The whole, you know, the calls are coming from inside the house thing. Did you listen to the Black Christmas episode? Uh, You should. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 40, I believe. (laughs) But he asks, who's heard this one? And everyone raises their hand. Brenda (laughs) proclaims that this really happened to a girl in her hometown. (laughs) Wexler just laughs and he's like, I'm sure you all think that, but it didn't. He finally drops the title and says that these tales are what we call an urban legend. Roll credit. (laughs) (laughs) It says there are variations of this one going back to the 1960s, all with the same message. Mind your children or harm will come your way. Just then, an alarm on Wexler's watch goes off and he excuses himself. Brenda and Natalie burst into laughter for some reason. I'm like... I guess this was the time before cell phones, so it was that interruption's like, what? <laughs> he has a phone? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had professors who flat out text during their lectures, so <laughs> I would be like, yeah, sure, go ahead, take it. <laughs> but Wexler's like, is something funny? And Brenda says she was thinking that the cultural admonition for the story should be, don't babysit. And the class is like, oh, shit. <laughs> Brenda, <laughs> is, what? you're on fire today. It's like, what is she, Sinbad? <laughs> <laughs> But Wexler then invites her to be a part of a little experiment. He assures her that she'll probably survive and tosses her a bag of Pop Rocks candy when she joins him on stage. When she confirms that she knows what they are and kind of gives a little advertisement for him. (laughs) They crackle in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) That made me laugh so hard. He asks her to eat some. Brenda rips the bag open and pours them down the hatch. We hear them crackle and then Wexler offers her a can of Pepsi and asks if she's thirsty. And the, the label's facing the camera like it's 28 days yes. later. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That made me laugh. Want this ice cold uh, Pepsi? <laughs> it's super refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I read that they had to do this scene so many times that Rebecca Gayhart spent an afternoon sick from eating oh. Pop Rocks and Pop Rocks and Pop Rocks. That poor girl. I know. But Brenda recoils at the sight of the can of Pepsi. Wexler plays dumb and he's like, why? Is it (laughs) something wrong with mixing Pop Rocks and soda? Are you a Coke girl? (laughs) Yeah. Pepsi's not okay. All right. Brenda says, supposedly your stomach and your intestines will burst if you mix Pop Rocks and soda, which really seems like a design flaw. (laughs) (laughs) She says that Mikey from the old Life cereal commercials died this way. Wexler came prepared, though, and he shows a picture of young Mikey eating Life cereal on the slide projector. Parker shouts out, Mikey likes it. And the other students who I guess just discovered comedy this morning <laughs> just burst out laughing. They're like, this is the best class yeah. ever. Like, I did not know it was going to be this yeah. good today. <laughs> but Wexler looks around like, who the fuck said that? <laughs> well. But returns to Brenda. He changes the slide showing a middle-aged man and says, what if I told you that that was Mikey? Married with kids, working as an ad executive in New York. And Brenda looks uneasy like her whole world has just been shaken. <laughs> So Damon throws his hand up and he's like, I'll do it and hops on stage. He downs a package of Pop Rocks, which I guess Wexler brought enough for the rest of the class. Well, yeah, he just grabs one like nothing. (laughs) (laughs) He downs that refreshing ice cold Pepsi (laughs) and the class just watches on. When nothing happens, Wexler's like, voila, told you. But suddenly foam starts leaking out of Damon's mouth and he falls down the stairs of the stage onto the floor. 
Parker screams, he's going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> and Brenna just screams loudly. Damon spits up into his own eyeball and then lies motionless for a moment before revealing it was all a joke because of course it was. Yeah, this was stupid and gross. Exactly. And really predictable. Were yeah. we supposed to think? Well, the music was tense like we were supposed to be like, it oh was, shit, Damon's right? I, um... <laughs> Dawson, no! <Yeah. laughs> Pacey. Pacey, no! <laughs> I shouldn't know that. I don't. <laughs> I hope I don't get too much for this. Hmm. But I told your sister after the scene, I was like, I was like, is this like the bench team for the kids horror <laughs> cast? Like, it was, like I was the, just like, the this WB was, squad, yeah, yeah. I was like, what is happening with this dude? It, it was a little over the top. Oh, yeah. The, it was. was. Like, oh. It was like Adam and Saw with the cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wexler obviously is not pleased by this, but Parker says that Damon is brilliant. <laughs> Like, Again, I feel like the bar for impressing these Not kids that is high. real yeah. low. <laughs> but in the next scene, Brenda and Natalie notice a long line at the newspaper stand. Natalie picks up a copy with the massive sensationalist headline, Lunatic on Campus. And the article underneath it is written by Paul discussing Michelle's murder. Brenda's like, she went to Pendleton? You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> But we also see the campus police officer, Reese Wilson, played by Loretta Devine, confiscating some of the newspapers from the stand. Paul walks up to Brenda and Natalie and he's like, tragic, huh? It's like, now you're the prime suspect because... Yeah. But when Paul sees the papers being confiscated, he goes to intervene. Dean Adams, played by John Neville, calls Paul out for his sensationalist story. Paul stands by his reporting and Adams is like, the only lunatic on campus is you. Again, <laughs> that's a lot. But I'm like, you got me. There were, <laughs> there were no channels. Like, did Paul self-publish this? Well, Nobody yeah, saw what? this before it came out. Well, here's the deal. Drawing on my experience, right, 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 of working at a university newspaper, oftentimes they leave the students to their own devices. There is an advisor, but they don't have final cut, so to speak. Urban Legends too. <laughs> <laughs> And so th there's a chance that they didn't see it. But Paul pulls out his tape recorder and asks if he can quote him on that. Reese says, I got a quote for you. And she says that U.S. News and World Report ranked Pendleton the safest university in the country. And she plans to keep it that way. So we ignore the bad things that happen here. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Pendleton way. Damn it. Yeah. And the thing that gets me is... Movies treat deans like they're the end-all be-all, but that's not the hierarchy. There's like five to six people above the dean yeah. at every university. I don't understand why they do that so all what the time. Is their, like, what is their role? Like they're just a principal or something? They or? usually run like certain departments. Like you have the dean of like the College of the Arts and Humanities. Right, but I'm saying like- The dean of science. Is that, you know? That's just kind of- Kind of. Right. And then you've got, I mean, you've got the provost. They're like the, the, mini, the mini bosses. Yeah. Oh, all right. So there's, there's so, a main boss? Exactly. They're making it like he's the president of the united states uh. <laughs> <laughs> but paul sarcastically thanks reese and then tries to get student reactions from brenda and natalie on the record brenda who as you recall is in love with paul yes gives an almost like beauty pageant like answer <laughs> <laughs> and natalie doesn't she scolds paul reminding him that uh hi a girl died yeah well, yeah and she asks him if he thought about that at all and he's like no nah, i didn't <laughs> And I was like, word? I was very surprised. But he's wow, yeah, Paul. showing his whole ass. 
but he says that he didn't think about it, but 3,500 students will, which will help him sleep at night. It's like, God damn. All right. Yeah. yeah. But Brenda and Natalie bail with Natalie throwing the paper in the trash on their way out. We then see a newscast live from the gas station that Michelle left before she was murdered in her car. The newscaster says that Michael, the proprietor of the gas station, is still missing, and they're asking people to help if they have any info on his whereabouts. Then we're back in the campus coffee shop with our main cast. Sasha says that someone told her that Michelle was listening to her show when it happened, and... (laughs) remarks that her voice could have been the last thing that Michelle heard. How would anyone know that? Thank (laughs) you. What the fuck? I don't know. That made me laugh out loud. Who told you that? (laughs) The the only person who would know would be the killer. The murderer told me that. Who told you that? And she was listening to Bonnie Tyler. Okay. Let's be clear. Bonnie Tyler can be clutching her pearls saying, my voice was the last, but not you. And it's not like she has like Spotify or Apple Music where like we looked at her history and it was Sasha. Yeah. Listen to you. yeah. But <laughs> Brenda fears that there actually could be a lunatic on campus and Damon doesn't care because he's going snowboarding this weekend. So that's your problem. <laughs> Brenda asks if anybody knew her, but they say that they didn't. She then snaps at Natalie, like not like you jerk, but like <laughs> she snaps her fingers because Natalie's just spacing out. But then she's like, oh, I, I didn't know her either. Suspicious. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's how, that's, checks out. I, I believe, believe her. <laughs> but Damon cracks a very too soon joke about her being headless and her giving great head. I. <laughs> they just invented comedy yesterday, but obviously, then the scene just kind of ends. <laughs> it's like okay, all right, cool. Moving on. In the next scene, Natalie returns to her dorm, apologizing to Tosh for the night before. Tosh says she better not let it happen again. Natalie finds Tosh's bottle of lithium on the floor and then returns it to her. I feel like the looking at the label was like so dramatic. It was. It's like, okay, who cares? And Tosh is playing this badass music in the background. And it's just like, "Mm." It's like, come on. I feel like, I don't know if that speaks to mental health stigma at the time or what, but it's like. I think it does. (gasps) It's like, that explains everything. It's like, come on, dude. They make it so stereotypical. Like, oh, of course the goth character Uh, has. Yeah, that was like really annoying to me. I enjoyed the whole goth. Oh, yeah. For sure. But this isn't a real movie anymore, right? What do you mean? (laughs) The goth character's a bit much. Like, you're throwing a lot out there. I just feel like they made her a stereotype. Well, that's I guess that's what I'm getting at. Like, that was like everything they could think of. They talked to some kids outside of Hot Topic (laughs) and was like, tell me. No, no, no. They talked to the kids outside of PacSun looking at the kids coming out of Hot Topic. Yeah. I bet they're all on lithium. (laughs) I bet they, yeah. They have sex and then they yell at you when when you walk in on they don't even stop yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but nothing at all against the performance of Daniel Harris oh, no, no no of course not but Natalie picks up the phone and she gets the sound of the modem because Tosh is surfing vampire freaks or whatever, whatever. I don't know <laughs> I don't know the website remember was remember that though when you couldn't use the Jeez. phone yeah <laughs> when you were on the internet such an odd <laughs> specific and timely problem yeah that sucked that sucked <laughs> But Tosh storms out, annoyed that Natalie wants to use the phone at all. After she leaves, Natalie checks her messages. The first is Brenda checking in, and then the next call is Natalie's mother checking up on her, saying it's horrible what happened to Michelle. 
Natalie then takes out an old yearbook in the clo- from the closet, I guess, and flips through it to find an old picture of her and Michelle as co-captains on the cheerleading squad. I, I knew it, bitch. I knew you knew something. <laughs> she was not sly about yeah. her life. And this was like an immediate reveal in the last one. She's like, oh, no, no, I didn't know her. And yeah. then Next crack scene. open the yearbook. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. Why wouldn't she share this with the rest of the class? Exactly. It's not like she was embarrassed to know her specifically. No, my yeah. note was, why is this a secret? Like, like, it, yeah, I thought that too. I was like, what? It, I, I don't know. No. And again, watching her interact with Danielle Harris, you're like, could you switched please. roles or something, yeah. please? But we also hear her memories of the cheerleading while she's looking at the pictures, which <laughs> that was a choice. Right? Yeah. It's uh, life is strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to move those sticks. But just then, Damon walks in to check on Natalie himself, saying that he wanted to see if she wants to come by the fraternity house. Apparently, Parker is going to pierce Hootie's nose, not Darius Rucker. When <laughs> when Natalie says that Hootie is a dog, Damon's like, "That's no reason that he can't be hip." I've laughed. I, I mean, thought that was okay. That's funny, but it's abuse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. don't do that to the dog. <laughs> don't do that. The concept is funny. Animal cruelty is no laughing matter. No, no. we are going to. No and then Sarah McLaughlin is playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but she, of course, declines this offer, and he says that they can go someplace else and talk instead of hanging out with a bunch of drunk frat boys. He's like, I can actually be a good listener, you know, when I'm not vomiting up pop rocks and Pepsi yeah. for laughs. <laughs> We then see him actually getting into his car, which he has a very difficult time starting. Once it does start, the Dawson's Creek theme song plays momentarily, <laughs> which he shuts off, disgusted. Which I thought it was fine. I, yeah, I like that a um, little bit. I feel like this is the satire that's kind of missing that we get in Scream that we right. don't. And something else that's mentioned later on. But it's mm-hmm. like, you guys are making fun of the yeah. actors in this movie. Like, I think that's funny. I was torn. I laughed. <laughs> But I was like, you know, is this like an immersion breaking moment? Because I'm like, oh, that's Joshua Jackson. I'm like, that's not Damon anymore. <laughs> it, it was never you know, Damon. It, well, fair. Yeah. <laughs> it was um, such a complex character, Damon. Right. Before he starts the car, though, he was like, it's cold. Here's something to warm you up. And I, I guess it was a beer. Yeah. I thought he gave her a Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> he like he holds it to the camera. But we then get this neat transition over the trees into a secluded area where Damon and Natalie are parked chatting. I don't know why we had to come out to the forest to talk. I don't know either. I honestly feel like they could have. Dude, I have been in my car with people and just talked. We can be on campus. No, literally yeah. sitting yeah. in the parking lot. Yeah. Although parking violations are a hazard. I will say that. Maybe he had the wrong pass. I don't know. But Natalie shares that she was friends with Michelle, but doesn't want to talk about it anymore. We get one sentence. And she's like, all right, I'm close. Nah. Up shop. But Damon says he knows exactly what she's going through and that he lost somebody close to him. His girlfriend. She's dead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he says, you know, she was sick for a while and she had a syndrome. But very quickly, of course. <laughs> He's like clearly lying. Yeah, like clearly you didn't lying. Even try. Not at all. And thankfully, Natalie realizes it's all bullshit, and that he's just trying to get some fake sympathy. No, oh, yeah, he tried it. Oh, he did. Natalie just pushes him away, and then he attempts to canoodle again, and he gets punched in the face for it. He deserved it. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah. She tells him to start the car, and he says she doesn't have to act like such a bitch. He's not picking up what she's putting down because he tries to go in again. <laughs> 
Yeah, I Damon. Like, yeah. come on. Oh my God. And she's like, one black eye or two? And he's like, I'm going to go take a piss. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets out to go to a secluded area and take care of number one. It's like overly secluded, I think. It's yeah. like he takes a hike. He does. <laughs> he has one of those like walking sticks. <laughs> <laughs> but he hears a twig snap behind him, followed by someone just throwing a rope over his neck. It, it's sudden. It's very sudden. He tries to fight back, but the killer just wrestles him to the ground. Back in the car, Natalie steps out and calls for Damon. She doesn't get a response, though, but she turns around to see a person in a parka with the hood up, of course, obscuring the face. She screams and runs to the driver's side of the car and gets inside. The killer just calmly walks around to the back and attaches a rope to the tow hitch. Natalie suddenly hears banging on the roof of the car, followed by scratching. We get a shot from the outside and we see that it's Damon hanging from a tree as he tries to gain purchase on the roof of the car. He weakly begs for Natalie not to start the car as he struggles to breathe. The killer then jump scares Natalie and she floors it. (laughs) (laughs) Running the killer over, but also sending Damon higher and higher up, killing him. The rope wrapped on the hitch causes the car to stop, sending the killer flying off the hood. I thought having her like contribute to it was pretty creative i would agree more trauma later though Uh, well yeah (laughs) i I did that i did think that there was an over-reliance on jump scares though yeah like it just continues to happen i will say that i think this one is successful though because it leads to action it leads to something that's fair right right yeah so i'm fine with this one but others let's yeah (laughs) Keep it real. And would the rope have been that quick to just let go like that or to like tighten? You don't think it would have got tight on the... Because it like slid. It did. I'm going to be honest with both of you. I don't understand how this works mechanically at all. (laughs) (laughs) I just know in my brain, I'm like, okay, so she attached it there. And oh, no, Damon. (laughs) And Damon's down from there. that's (laughs) That's all I got for you. But when the killer stands up, Natalie tries to run them over again, but the car won't go forward. The killer steps onto the hood and just kicks at the windshield, shattering it. Natalie reverses the car, which loosens the rope and sends Damon falling through the windshield. Quick question. Anyone who's listening, if you know anything about windshields or you install <laughs> windshields, or I see this a lot in movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, how they just shatter. Yeah, windows like, yeah. are like nothing. I can go punch my window right now. I don't think it's going to break. <laughs> your, your hand might. Yeah, like, I, like people will like bang on a windshield mm-hmm. or they'll like, yeah, just step on it and the whole front of the car caves in. I thought you were going to say, anyone listening, if you've ever murdered one, anyone with a pulley system of any kind, <laughs> please did this make help sense? us understand that too. Any engineering majors, yes. how did the, how the fuck? Yeah, how did that work? <laughs> but Natalie, of course, cries, screams, falls out of the car, and the killer's just gone. So, Nay, you recall Dad's story, correct? Correct. When we were kids, Dad told a very similar urban legend, the one with the... Dad told... He sold several. Okay. <laughs> The one I remember the most is the hook hand one. Yeah. Where yeah. Lover's Lane, people making out, right, right, right. escaped lunatic, and then they hear the scratching, and then they get home, and the killer's hook is on the door. Right. <laughs> well, Dad, very interestingly, told us that story in the role of the boyfriend, mm-hmm. right? Maybe a week later, he tells us the story <laughs> again, but he's the maniac. <laughs> he was messing with the kids. Yes. And so now... When we watched this and we saw how similar it was to his story, we just turned around at him like, 
dad? And Did they like, at least pay you? <laughs> they stole your life story. Yes, How talking about you? Man. But then he's like, "What?" And we're like, "You, you know, whatever." You believed that? So it's our fault for believing him. Yeah. Well, but that this just reopened that hilarious wound. Watching yeah. this all over again because <laughs> we were like, we believed it. I of, mean, course. of course, he's your dad. Of yes. course. Yeah. yeah. So we don't normally dedicate episodes, but dad. This one's for you. (laughs) But at the campus police station, Officer Reese is watching the Pam Greer classic coffee, and she's just quoting and acting out everything on screen. There's no other way you should be watching anything with Pam Greer in it. Absolutely. If you're not at this energy, watch something else. Yeah, (laughs) you don't deserve Pam Greer. I will say that this did kind of remind me of Halloween Resurrection, which came out later with Buster Rhymes watching Kung Fu movies. <laughs> yes. I feel like they might have watched this and been like, oh, my God, right. Right. throw that in there. Yeah, why not? That movie. The movie's already a piece of shit anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but her good time is ruined when Natalie bursts in telling her that someone killed Damon. We see them ride out together in Reese's police cruiser. And once they get to the spot, Reese gets out, looks around, but the car is gone. Everything got cleaned up without one trace of what? anything. The killer's yeah. thorough. <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, there is an empty beer can. And so oh, Reese is God. like, hmm, maybe that you've been drinking. Just, yeah, I guess? that was just evidence one to discredit yeah. Natalie. She's a lightweight. <laughs> <laughs> She's hallucinating. Exactly. And that beer can does cause her to just call bullshit on the entire thing. Natalie says that the same person probably killed Michelle, but Reese says that the police arrested that gas station attendant earlier in the afternoon. That poor man. He was literally just trying to yeah. help. That's why he should never <laughs> help anyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's the PSA for today. But back at the coffee shop, this sh- shit's turning into like Central Perk or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> go somewhere else. Parker explains that it was probably a mannequin that Damon uses to scare pledges during Hayes Week. You really think I don't know the difference between my dead friend and a mannequin? I would be so offended. I would never talk to him again. Leave. (laughs) You're out of the circle. Natalie, of course, isn't buying it. And Brenda says that if it were a joke, Damon would be here enjoying his handiwork, which is a great point. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Parker reminds them of Damon's snowboarding plans, though. And then Parker puts it together. The scratching on the roof of the car. It's just like that old urban legend. Parker figures since he's in Wexler's class, he probably just planned the whole thing based off of a lecture. So if Parker's right, Damon is just supposed to resurrect himself on Monday and be like, yeah, I, was- <laughs> I got you. Yeah, like, what is that? And But also he would have needed help because who's in the parka? All right. There were literally two people there. Yes. No, he's a mannequin. So oh, so he's oh, that's right, Damon. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, Parker. I'll allow it. But Natalie puts it together. Michelle's murder mimics the old urban legend of a person hiding in the backseat with an axe. She posits that someone is taking these old urban legends and making them a reality. Nobody agrees. And they just crack jokes about, well, they changed it. I don't know if you saw his mouth. He's like, yeah, and what's next? Someone's going to put spiders in bubble gum. And he said bubblicious. He did. Uh, They're like, we will sue. Oh, yeah. You better take that shit out. Well, he also makes the Richard Gere gerbil joke without saying Richard Gere. Yeah, but we all know. Oh, yeah, we all know. Did you know that Sylvester Stallone was rumored to have Mm -hmm. created that rumor? They, I do. I read up on it. It's the funniest fucking thing on the planet Earth. (laughs) According to biography.com, Stallone does deny making it up, but he said they were on 
set filming a movie in 1974 and they were on a lunch break and sitting in a car and I guess Richard Gere brought in some very greasy, very mustardy chicken and (laughs) (laughs) he took a bite out of his sandwich and Stallone was just watching him and as he took a bite, some of the grease sprayed and hit Stallone in the thigh. And so he's like, I'm about to ruin this man's whole career. This is the worst part is he got Richard Gere fired from the movie for doing this. And so he said, Richard Gere always had a a vendetta against me and all this. And it's like, but then how does that lead into you saying, do you know, he likes a gerbil in his ass. It's like, what? I don't know how that works, but it's the red. We weren't there. Sly says it. We got to believe it. And it's followed him his whole career. <laughs> Fucking nuts, It's man. so horrible. But Parker insists that Natalie calls up to the snowboarding place, and he guarantees that Damon is there. Later, Natalie returns to her dorm where Tosh is just being herself, blasting hard rock, acting standoffish, and surfing vampire freaks. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie asks if she can use the computer, but bails after Tosh snaps at her. We then see Natalie calling up the ski lodge, and the person on the other end says that a blonde guy did arrive with the group, but that's really all the information they can provide, so I guess it's still up in the air. Like, are we talking regular blonde, or, or like... <laughs> you would know, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but that night, Natalie heads to the library, which of course is empty, but we see a silhouette walk in front of the camera, accompanied by a musical sting, because of course. Natalie calls out, but gets no response. She hears what sounds like movement, but pays it no mind and picks up a copy of the Encyclopedia of Urban Legends. I would like to read that. Oh, absolutely. Customary in every university right? library. <laughs> but as she's about to leave, she gets jump scared by Sasha, who shows off a copy of the Kama Sutra that she found complete with pictures. Right. Again, another jump scare that really doesn't matter. Right. Natalie reluctantly shows her the Urban Legends book and the two sit down to check it out. Inside the book, they find the urban legend that Damon's murder mimicked, but also two others, the aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights legend and the gang high beam initiation where supposedly gang members will kill you if you flash your headlights at them at night. Sasha says that that one's totally real, but Sasha says a lot of things. It's funny, like how many times an urban legend is mentioned in this movie only for someone to say, no, no, that one's true. (laughs) Yeah. Now, the other ones are dog shit, but this one, this one happened to my cousin's (laughs) friends. Yeah. (laughs) I, I never heard of this. the high beam. Yeah, I don't really? know what the fuck uh, that is. Our our mom, because mm-hmm. I know I say my, and then yes. you get mad. <laughs> our mom told us that when we were kids. I've never heard. Like that. we we couldn't even drive, and she was like, yeah. "Don't fucking well, do that." And all yeah, I was like eight. I was like, "I'm not getting behind <laughs> the wheel I, mom, anytime I soon." I've heard that if you flash your beams at somebody to let them know that there's a cop park somewhere, you could get in trouble for it. That's legal. Or, I mean, that's illegal. Oh, is it? I don't know why I said okay, it was legal. But, I'm going to get people in yeah. trouble. Don't do right. that. But they said he could do it. Yeah, yeah. Which, I'm sorry. I feel like communities should be able to look out for each other just because the cops like, thwart it again. Yeah. Like, fuck that. Damn it. Yeah. Back at the dorm, Tosh is trying to hook up with some gothic guys online. She starts flirting with some random guy who, interestingly, also claims to be into lithium. Uh, Well, yeah, he's goth. So, All goths are so into lithium. He has to be, yeah. At the library... Natalie finds the checkout card in the back of the Urban Legends book, and the last person to check it out was Damon. Stop it. <laughs> Stop. This, it feels like a frame job. Yeah. Right? It's too perfect. Back at the dorm, Tasha's setting up a date with this mystery man, telling him to tell her what room he's in before going off to the bathroom to get ready. 
When she returns, she sees the mystery man has replied, yours. <laughs> How do you make it flash I like that? Know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you couldn't do this in 98. No. He's, he's made me laugh into out coding, loud. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> And she went to go get ready. She just went and like put a little lipstick Dude, on and then it. went right back. She's like, like I already look great. So <laughs> let's just touch just, up the lipstick. And we're good to go. Tosh obviously is frightened to see this. But before she can react, she's grabbed by the face and thrown to the bed. Also, I'm sorry. Really quick. <laughs> what? This person was already hiding in the room. So when she left to put on her lipstick, were they like, no, 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 please. Like, <laughs> <laughs> damn it God, damn it had to wait what, so what is that are they just on a laptop in the corner <laughs> exactly like i like i don't i, I now yeah. i've got some questions yeah. it was just that and then this too i know you just said about uh, about this in the book uh the book of urban legends so uh-huh. obviously we're getting something but i don't know what <laughs> I don't understand, like, what's happening here. Oh, this one? Yeah. Well, we'll we get there eventually. Yeah, okay, we'll get there. okay. Tosh groans loudly as she's trying to fight the person off. Natalie heads back to their dorm after being told by a passerby that it sounds like Elvira is raising more than the dead in there. It's like, leave. Let that girl live. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the killer pulls a large surge protector from the wall, which turns off the computer and the lamp. When Natalie gets into the room, she goes for the light, but remembers getting yelled at for it before, and then just apologizes and is like, I'm not looking. Tosh is just straight up being killed, but it sounds like she's being thrilled. So (laughs) Natalie just scoffs, throws on her headphones for some pop music, and heads off to bed. We see Tosh strangled to death, and we see Natalie just drift off to sleep. They really kink shamed that girl until her dying breath. It's very unfair. <laughs> like, literally. The only person we should be kink shaming is Army Hammer. <laughs> Let Tosh live. Girls are friends, not food. <laughs> I, I just didn't get like the sex thing. Like she you, loves it. No, no, I don't mean. <laughs> she There's enjoys nothing wrong with that. It. Right. I mean, like she went in there and you couldn't tell this lady was being attacked. She yelled at you last time. Don't you think she would have been like, "Hey, close the fucking door." You know, it's almost like You're Lin- right. it's almost like Linda on Halloween where Lori couldn't tell she was being strangled yeah. either. Yeah, it, really? Come it's on. It's like that's not what that's. <laughs> yeah, <like."> exactly. <laughs> I get you. Yeah. I got you. But Natalie wakes up the next morning to find Tosh's murdered body, her wrists slashed, as well as the words, "Aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light?" written in Tosh's blood on the wall behind her. So I think about logistics of writing in blood and or poo on the walls, depending on <laughs> which movie we're talking about. But this is the first time that I'll co-sign that it's fine that this was done. Right. Because it actually makes sense. And it's basically the exact urban legend. It mirrors the urban legend. Put on yeah. screen. Okay. My, um, my issue is you can slit her wrists all you want. Mm-hmm. This was not a suicide. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Rebecca Zahau case, but this is about as much of a suicide as that was. My true crime people, you know, you know. You feel. Um, (laughs) You know what I'm saying. (laughs) Did we not expect any kind of autopsy or... Well... It was the it was a '90s horror film, so (laughs) they're like she wears black suicide. Yeah. Yeah. We then see the coroners heading into the dorm to take Tasha's body away. Some absolute waste of skin says, better check her pulse. She's looked like that for years. Like, 
I swear to God. Yeah. Uh, I had paused it at that point, and what did it say? Bitchy girl. Her yeah. credit. Her credit. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, yes. <laughs> Paul, of course, is also there. Paul's like an ambulance chaser he now. Is. Like, what is happening? You ever seen Nightcrawler? <laughs> Not the X-Man. The <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal vehicle. Um, but he's got his notepad at the ready when Brenda approaches him. He asks how Natalie is, and Brenda says she hasn't got a chance to talk to her yet. We see Natalie is sitting with Reese and Dean Adams, and Paul bails, probably upset that he can get a quote from her, I guess. I don't know. Um, It's apparent here as well. I meant to say it earlier, but Paul is not into Brenda at all. <laughs> I feel bad for it, Brenda. It like, sucks to watch. <laughs> I think Brenda's nice. <laughs> <laughs> But Dean Adams asks why Natalie didn't do anything if she heard Tosh moaning, which Dean Adams is being played by JP in the scene. (laughs) (laughs) But she explains her past history of smash crashing Tosh. I just made that up and I really hope it catches on. Not smash crashing. (laughs) But the fact that Natalie never saw the person who killed Tosh, Reese and the Dean start suspecting, like Nay said, that it was simply a suicide. Natalie protests, of course, citing the writing on the wall, which the dean in a very upper crust voice says it was just a very morbid suicide note. No. Stop. That's yeah, not- no. Please stop. But they leave and Brenda checks on Natalie. They see the coroner's wheel Tosh's body away and Natalie says that she just wants to be alone. Why did the sheet I have swear- blood on the outside? Why are we twins? Because I have that written down. And honestly, if they put the sheet over Tosh, that blood would be dry. Yeah. It's been all fucking night. Yeah. I don't understand. They I just, just I just was shaking shaking my head. I was like, I don't know. He's already checked out by now. He's like forensically, that and is not. So I know you've said it a few times. Hmm. So um Paul yes. is Gal. And Reese oh, is Doofy. Man. Dewey. Do, Dewey. Whatever. You're watching scary movies. Scary too much. movies better. But, <laughs> but you're, you're right. You're right, right. though. I never even okay. put Me that neither. together. Because I was I was like, this is bad. I was like, what <laughs> the fuck's happening? I was like, is nobody gonna I can't even like correct yeah. you. No. And Parker no. is Stew. Dude, I there is a scene where he is just doing a Matthew Lillard impression. <laughs> I I have the same yes. note. Sasha's Tatum. Son of a bitch. What happened? They're here? all following the same trope yeah and then the park of man's ghost face <laughs> <laughs> yes naturally naturally but natalie goes <laughs> natalie goes to get some air but is immediately accosted by paul who says he has to ask her a couple questions she tries to walk away but he walks with her he says he doesn't want to talk about tosh he wants to talk about this and then he <laughs> pulls out a very poorly photocopied <laughs> photo of the cheerleading photo with Michelle and Natalie. I know you can't see me, but I'm rolling my eyes. No, it's, yeah. it's tough. I, I was at this point, I was like, what's this dude's character? I was like, what? He's just being a dick. He's now. just an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, and it's funny. I was telling John Paul when I was a kid, I don't know if it's because he's handsome. I was like, he's this dude's figuring shit out. He's getting to the bottom of it. And now I'm like, what a pretentious. No, like, absolutely. Asshole. You thought. I did think that the same thing. I was like, man, when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, get you you show those administrative stiffs that no, he's just kind of a dick. You suck. Exactly. But he asks why she never told him that she knew her. And she says that he would have just exploited it, which, yeah, he would (laughs) have. Yeah. Right. My my thing very quickly 
He found this out by calling Michelle's high school. Mm -hmm. Why would he do that? How is that relevant at all? He has no reason to really suspect Michelle of any kind of fibs or anything. No. (laughs) I don't know. Again, what's his character? (laughs) (laughs) He had his reasons, I guess. I don't know. But he says he's just doing his job and he can't turn his back on a murder or a suicide. Natalie says Tasha's death wasn't a suicide. It was a murder, just like Michelle and Damon. Paul's like, Damon? It's like for a dude that's got his ear to the ground. How did you not hear about that? You're a little behind. Yeah. Paul says that he doesn't know what's going on, but he's happy to talk to her about it off the record, which I'm like, finally. I... I can't help but get the feeling that nothing's really off the record. Oh, no. With no. Paul. He's got a tape recorder in his yeah. belly. <laughs> he is a tape recorder. <laughs> He's like a nanny cam. <laughs> but we then see them at the newsroom. Apparently, she spilled all the beans about her urban legends theory, but Paul says it's a little far fetched, but not impossible. He brings up rational alternatives to her theory, which she doesn't combat, but she explains that tonight's the 25th anniversary of the Stanley Hall massacre which could explain why all of this is happening now. But they head to the archives together so Paul can finally prove once and for all that the Stanley Massacre didn't happen. However, the archived issues for the 1973 newspaper are missing. How convenient. Very convenient. Now, I got to admit, them in the office and them going to look at archives, all of this is making me very nostalgic for working at (laughs) my university's newspaper. If any of my old friends are listening, I miss you people. (laughs) But Paul and Natalie catch up with Weird Janitor, who acts a little suspicious when asked if he knows anything about Stanley Hall. Before leaving, he tells them to talk to Professor Wexler. They head straight to his office without hesitation. They're just there. They're like, okay. Yeah, thanks for the tip. They knock on the door, and when he doesn't answer, they just flat out break in. They start snooping around, and Natalie finds a parka inside what appears to be a hidden room in his office. Yeah. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> um, my thing is, they're just in there casually looking around. Before they even broke in, she's like, these are his office hours. Where is he? Yeah, he could have just gone Hurry to the, the bathroom. Up. Yeah, like, <laughs> speed it up. He just went to get a cool, refreshing Pepsi. <laughs> but also inside the room, they find an axe. She calls out to Paul, who joins her in there. And then they hear Wexler entering his office, and they hide inside that little room. Wexler walks around a little bit, but then we hear the door close again like he's left. They come out of the room and breathe a sigh of relief, only to find Wexler is just still there. And he says, welcome to prime time, bitch. (laughs) That would have been much better. He said, something I can help you with. It's a little less. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah. But then he takes them straight to Dean Adams, who admonishes them for suspecting Wexler of murder. Wexler explains that the axe is an old stage prop, and he's like, how could you even suggest that I could be a murderer? And I'm like, well, you bear a striking resemblance to one (laughs) Fred Krueger. Which I get. I mean, it's just an axe. Yeah, there's no... There There was no stains on it. There was a damn thing like it had never been used. It looked brand new. Yeah. I didn't smash through a car window. Yeah, no. (laughs) But Paul then asks about the Stanley Hall massacre, and shit gets pretty tense. Adams asks Reese and Wexler to leave so he can have a moment alone with Natalie and Paul. Adams says that after their talk this morning, he decided to look at Natalie's personal record. And he's like, apparently you were on probation for a year for reckless endangerment. And then he just ends it there. There's no. This is the most unprofessional. (laughs) (laughs) Is he threatening to leak that or what? No. And there's another person right here. Yeah. Yeah. No personal. Whatever. No big deal. 
But after no elaboration on that, he tells Paul that he's been fired from the paper. And then he tells him to have a good weekend. (laughs) (laughs) So at this point, I don't know what day it is because Damon was leaving for the weekend. So is this like the longest Saturday or Friday in the fucking planet Earth? Like what happened? As they storm out, Paul asks Natalie about her charges, but she doesn't want to talk about that. He asks her if it has anything to do with Michelle Mancini because he's saying he doesn't buy it anymore. He's like, I don't buy anything anymore. It's like, well... And then just storms off. Yeah, yeah what? That's an odd line to leave on. But in the next scene, we see Brenda swimming alone at the pool. I was like, okay, the craft. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> no joke. And she's actually very talented. She does that flippy thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that little turnaround. It's impressive. But Natalie is watching her swim from above like a second tier. She's not floating or anything. <laughs> There's a second level in a window. <laughs> but she sees someone wearing a parka walk into the and I had to look this word up. There is a word for a swimming pool that's indoors. It's called a natatorium. Huh. So if you hate this episode, at least you learn that. <laughs> <laughs> but the parka person walks alongside the pool and instead of running down, Natalie just shatters the glass window with a chair to try to get her attention. And it turns out it's just a girl in a swimsuit underneath the parka. And she and Brenda look at Natalie like she's insane. If I may. Yes. This part is unforgivable. (laughs) (laughs) We just saw Natalie and Paul outside and it is a beautiful, bright, sunny day. Mm -hmm. And this girl comes in wearing (laughs) a giant fucking parka. Mind you, the same parka that we saw the killer wearing. The same parka. parka. (laughs) (laughs) Turning into me. (laughs) The same parka that was in Wexler's office. Uh Uh-huh. Was there a local sale on these parkas? Do they sell them at the school store? <laughs> Five is for the, a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> is the school mascot the fighting parkas? <laughs> My, I'm so confused. I did read up on this, and I think it was on IMDb. They said that this movie was supposed to shoot during the winter, yes. which would have explained the parka, but then they shot it during like the fall or the summer and just didn't change it. Fix yeah, it. Unforgivable. That... Fix it. And... This is also flat out Natalie's fault because this wouldn't have even been an urban legend. It would have just been a girl getting murdered at the pool. (laughs) Like, so why is she even freaking out? She needs to chill. Yeah. All right. (laughs) So you, I'm glad you said something. (laughs) I feel like it was because of shit like this. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't remember this movie. You just tried you to block she it. <laughs> try, like, she tried to get out and the door was locked. It was like, how'd you get up there? Yeah, how are you true. locked up there? I was so. And then you're, she's like banging on it. It's like, dude, she's... how did you get up there? I was so offended by the. <laughs> Mrs. By <Bay>. the park. <laughs> <laughs> I was so offended by the park. I didn't think about the logistics. Well, no, yeah. Yeah, None of it makes that. any sense. I didn't think about that until you just said that. It was just hot outside. Why the <laughs> yeah. fuck do you have that jacket and you're bundled up with the thing over mm-hmm. you? With the swimsuit, swimsuit with underneath. The swimsuit yeah. already on. I, I, just, I don't it's understand. It's a ritual. Hey, athletes have weird <laughs> rituals. I, I, I don't guess. know. But later in the locker room, Brenda tells Natalie that she's got to stop this. Which, yeah, she does. But then Natalie admits to her that she did know Michelle, but they hadn't spoken in two years. Natalie finally tells all, and we see the past play out as she describes it. Back in high school, they were riding around late one night with Michelle driving. Pretty convenient that Michelle was driving and she can't defend herself from this. And Michelle's driving Natalie's car. Also true. Okay. I don't believe this at all. But the urban legend about the gang high beam initiation had been going around, and she wanted to play a practical joke. So 
Michelle turned off the lights and waited for a car to flash them. When someone did, they made a U-turn and chased the car, flashing the high beams. It eventually went out of control, though, and the car that they were chasing veered off the road and into, I guess, a ditch of some kind? Or Sure. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> By the time the ambulance came, the man driving the car was already dead, but they just ended up getting probation. Natalie says that she never forgave Michelle, but she also never forgave herself for letting it happen. Okay, so when the dean put her on front street about having criminal history mm-hmm. and said we don't we're not in the habit of accepting criminals michelle was also going to the school that's true and if and she, she was, was the one driving if she was driving she probably would have gotten a more severe right and maybe that's why she was leaving she got kicked out because they're like hey we fucking found- like Listen. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you brick killed a guy <laughs> but i thought brenda's reaction was a little muted to this she's like wow that's awful man like when Dennis was trying to pretend that he had feelings. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it's like she just told you that she was a part of a murder yeah, I, or a manslaughter, which sounds way worse yeah. than murder. Yeah. And it's a lesser. I don't understand the legal Whatever. system. But the two girls leave the natatorium <laughs> with Natalie saying that she should go home for a few weeks. But Brenda says she should just come out to the party tonight. She promises not to leave Natalie alone unless she hooks up with Paul, of course. In that case, Natalie's on her own. And they laugh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Back in the newsroom, Paul is cleaning out his desk when weird janitor appears in the doorway. Inside his desk, Paul finds a newspaper from 1973, the headline of which proclaims William Wexler as the sole survivor of the Stanley Hall massacre. So did weird janitor plant that there? Yeah. He's like, that'll do. (laughs) I don't know. Because he just walks off into the sunset after that. They share a glance, though. Yeah. He's like, I I put that in there. You're welcome. But one thing that's very interesting to me, a lot of movies don't think you'll pay attention. So I did read the article and it was about the Stanley Massacre. I was like, (laughs) It wasn't um, obscenities like in the font. No. (laughs) Dude, I tweeted about that. I couldn't believe at Travis MWH. Look up what they put in the font. It's worth it. It's insane. But Weird Janitor does make eye contact and leaves. And we're then taken to the parking garage where we see Dean Adams making his way to his car. Before getting inside, he checks the back seat, which is smart. But then he's jump scared by Reese by putting her hand on his shoulder. Again, another pointless jump scare. Doesn't need to happen. (laughs) But she's like a little jumpy and he's like, no. (laughs) Yes, you were. (laughs) Reese suggests adding more campus security after everything that's been happening, including with Damon, who she says is still missing. Adams is like, missing? It's the weekend. He's probably shacked up at a motel with a girl or a guy or a farm animal or whatever. And she looks at him like, the fuck? Yeah, I don't don't think that's a thing. No. Well, rich people are into some weird shit, man. (laughs) He's like, that's what I was doing at 18. (laughs) Yeah, Army Hammer's a cannibal. (laughs) Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly. I'm not trying to get sued by the Arm and Hammer fortune, but... He basically tells her not to overreact and not to contact anyone without his permission, which is very suspicious. Yeah, fuck you, Dean. Super what? suspicious. Come what on. are you talking about? Like, if something were to happen, she's like, well, I got to call Dean Adams first. Are you fucking no. kidding me? Yeah, don't call the cops. What? No, that's not weird. Yeah. You see the parka in his backseat. <laughs> <laughs> but without missing a beat, after Reese leaves, she does mouth asshole to him because she's he like, deserves fuck it. Him. But he gets the pet cemetery treatment as the killer reaches out from under the car and just slashes his Achilles tendon. Yes, he does. It's rough. He tries to crawl away, but the killer turns on the headlights of his car and just releases the parking brake. 
instead of rolling out of the way crawl to the side i don't understand crawl to the side it's prometheus all over again <laughs> i swear to god but he gets run over by the car and impaled on a spike strip apparently though because i was like what's the urban legend here thank you because i was fixing to ask yes. okay i looked it up and apparently this whole killer hiding under your car to slice your achilles mm. has been going around according to snopes since the 1950s in detroit all right, I'll allow it. People would call into radio stations. Somebody even wrote Dear Abby about it and was like, I'm afraid to go to the mall. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's that's the urban legend. I also uh, thought right. that the spike strip death was pretty creative. It was. Yeah. And they showed the sign like whatever. Oh. It, I can't remember. It was like spikes are sharp so, or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever really tried to fit under a car without it being jacked up. No. You're not, not going to get under. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah. I, if there's a will, there's a way. If oh, there's no, spikes, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> that night at the party, Parker is literally allowing people to beer bong his dog, Hootie. Put that dog down. Give I've that, had it at this point. I need this dog to have a new home. Yes. I'm going to take that dog. Love Roller Coaster begins to play, and some creepy guy shares with Sasha that the scream heard on the track was lifted from a 911 tape of a girl being murdered. Another urban legend, of course. Mm -hmm. Sasha isn't impressed and leaves. Again, according to Snopes, this rumor started after the song was released and a DJ asked them about it. The band apparently took a vow of silence because the controversy was too good for record sales. Oh, I bet. They're like, no, we don't don't know. Like it didn't not happen. We then see Natalie arrive at the party and Brenda rushes out to greet her. Hootie scurries by carrying the beer bong in his mouth and Natalie's like, I already regret coming here. Hootie's like, leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> He's going to sad drink. He's yeah. over it. Brenda rushes off to grab a beer for Natalie and after she leaves, Paul emerges behind her. He tells her that the Stanley Hall massacre actually happened and that Wexler was the only survivor. And he like holds the paper up to the camera. He does. It's a little too <laughs> tight. Didn't already see it. Yeah. But they talk upstairs with Paul theorizing that Pendleton covered up the massacre, gave Wexler a job for life as long as he keeps his mouth shut, but that it eats at Wexler every year. Then this year, he just flat out lost it. <laughs> and he just decided to commit some murders. Natalie suggests calling the police, but Paul's like, no, I already tried. <laughs> he says that Adams told them <laughs> to expect prank calls, especially from Natalie and Paul. He's like, he he gave them our names I'm yeah like, i'm like what, what? none yeah, of this makes any sense that doesn't that wouldn't raise a flag if these people call you they're lying definitely I, fuck them i'd be I like can't. are you planning to kill them yeah. tonight <laughs> but paul apologizes for doubting natalie and she starts to cry telling him that she's scared paul reassures her that nothing's gonna happen to her and then he kisses her when she starts crying she's like <laughs> All these people are dying, right? And mm-hmm. she's like, why is this happening to me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which honestly is the type of shit that Paul would be into because he's selfish too. Yeah. But nothing is happening to you. No. <laughs> that made me laugh because I'm like, the audacity. Uh, people are dead. <laughs> she's a total jerk and kisses him right uh, You back. Bitch. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. No friends, you know, whatever. Of course, Brenda walks in with the booze and she leaves the party and sits on the porch and cries. It's officially a party now because a girl is sitting by herself and crying. (laughs) But like, fuck you, Natalie. Yeah, dude. This is our protagonist. Yeah, dude. Chicks before dicks. I thought everyone (laughs) knew that. Is that the inverse of that? It is now. All right. Very good. (laughs) And Paul is also like, what? Like, you haven't noticed her throwing herself at you this entire movie? He's just so oblivious, apparently. (sighs) 
But we then see Reese exploring the faculty offices at night. She then gets jump scared, of course, by weird janitor who leaves the building right after. He just goes home. Yeah. <laughs> like that was part of his shift. I got to scare Reese and then I can go home. <laughs> then I can clock out. Yeah. Reese hears the glass breaking in Wexler's office, so she goes in to investigate. Once inside, she finds it in all sorts of disarray and the axe is missing. She then slips ass first into a pool of blood. Back at the party, Paul talks to Parker, telling him that he should end the party early. Parker tells him that <laughs> Parker's like, turn the music down. And he puts Paul on Front Street, telling him to tell everyone why they should go home. What a dick. Just an absolute asshole. Paul's like, there's a murderer on the loose. And then everyone just laughs it off. Then in front of everyone, Parker suggests that Paul is the killer, saying he is basically fabricating one last hot story before graduation so he can ensure some career prospects. Paul is over it and leaves, but he tells Natalie to stay. Sasha, also unimpressed by Parker's antics, says she's going to go to the radio station. And she also blows him a kiss on her way out, so she's not too mad. It was a reluctant kiss. And I appreciated her calling him out. Yeah, instead of... Because it's like, uh, what's her name from Final Destination? That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Sasha runs through the rain and is picked up by her friend to get to the radio station. Back inside, Parker gets a phone call from the killer who tells Parker that he's going to die tonight. He's using the dinner system. (laughs) (laughs) Parker checks the caller ID and it reads Damon Brooks. Parker's like, all right, let's see. What is this? The calls are coming from inside the house. And this is when the Matthew Lillard impression begins. Thank you. Because I literally have, okay, you guys were going for a Matthew Lillard situation. Mm -hmm. There's only one Matthew Lillard. Yeah. Right. Stop Stop it. Yeah. He's like, the calls are coming from inside the house. It's a scream, baby. (laughs) (laughs) but he heads upstairs taunting the voice on the phone with the details of that old babysitter legend the killer then says wrong legend this is the one about the old lady who dries her wet dog in the microwave we then get a shot of the microwave in the kitchen and parker just runs back as it beeps he opens up the microwave and it reveals <laughs> the gory remains of Hootie, but then we're treated to like 50 reaction shots from yes. Parker. I don't understand. <laughs> a bunch of angles. Very odd choice. Can we stop watching this movie and watch <laughs> I Know What You Did Last Summer or Scream or something? What the fuck's happening here? I just have to point out how unrealistic this is. Not that the dog wouldn't explode in the microwave because mm-hmm. maybe it would have. I don't I, know. I don't know enough um, about microwaves to. <laughs> Some introvert at that party would have been befriending the oh, shit no, out of that yeah. dog. Oh, absolutely. That dog would no not way. have no. been alone to be scooped up and popped in a microwave. Yeah, not at all. No. And I just got to say, this is my least favorite urban legend of all time because it just is very stupid. <laughs> and for the fact that this one is one that's carried on for years personally offends me. <laughs> <laughs> but instead of talking to anyone, he runs right upstairs to throw up. I don't know why that made me laugh. Uh, he, it's like, I got to go. I have a personal preference of this bathroom to throw up in. But he goes, he starts retching at the toilet, but the Parker killer is behind him and grabs him. The killer puts his head in the toilet. So you think he's just going to be drowned. But then we fade from. Yeah. We fade out. <laughs> now, hold on. Then fade back in to reveal that Parker is tied to the toilet. The killer then forces a pipe down his throat, pours in some Pop Rocks and Drano, which does finally kill him. Now, that combo also would have killed Mikey, so (laughs) (laughs) there's no legend there. It's brutal, but like, kind of deserved it for doing it to his dog. Yeah, I think uh, Turnabout's fair play. (laughs) I'm just sorry the dog had to deal with all this. I know, poor Hootie. I hope the dog faked his death somehow. (laughs) I don't know. I got to get out of this fucking movie. Just Just kill me. Yeah. (laughs) Put me in the microwave. Something. (laughs) Put me in the microwave. (laughs) 
But back in Wexler's office, Reese calls the police and tells them about the blood, but the dispatcher says that all the units are tied up thanks to the storm. She then gets put on hold after she goes off on them, which was pretty funny. She's like, you guys got to do your fucking job. And they're like, hold, please. (laughs) We're not dealing with that. Now, you go to, or you went to university and all that. Mm -hmm. So why is she the only fucking cop here? I think because they could only hire one actress. (laughs) But that's a great question. because You're going to represent the whole team. It's big yes. school. Yeah, Camp, it is. Campus police is an entire police force on its right, own. Right, that's yeah. kind of so what I like, thought. And then not only that, why would the police react to her that way? These are not children, but uh-huh. they're somebody's children. And you're at a school. If some shit's going on, why are you going to be like, oh, you said shit, hold. (laughs) (laughs) And rude. That's what confuses me is the dean apparently has a pull in the actual police department. How did that happen? That doesn't. Is there a a deleted scene that it's like his brother's the chief (laughs) or something? I don't understand. But back at the party, Natalie tries to call Paul, but gets his answering machine. We then transition from a speaker at the party to the radio station where Sasha is taking a call. Behind her, through the window, we see the killer sneak in and silently make short work of her producer. Somehow this also de- disconnects Sasha's call. Yeah, she's like, uh, lovely, Yellow. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> But Sasha turns around to see that the lights are out in the room behind her. When she gets up to check it out, the lights come back on, revealing that she's face to face with the killer. If I may. Hmm. This is literally the scene from Scream 2 where Gail is is being chased. Thank you. Which came out the year before. Just Just saying. Just throwing that out there. (laughs) Oh, and the the use of a voice changer on the phone with Parker. And the phone with Parker, period. (laughs) I feel like Gordon Ramsay just, damn. (laughs) (laughs) The killer then smashes through the glass with an axe as Sasha screams, which Natalie hears through the speakers at the party. A chase ensues at the radio station as Sasha screams for help, still wearing her microphone. At the party, Natalie says that something is very wrong, but that nerdy roller coaster scream guy says Sasha's just doing some performance art yeah. to commemorate the massacre. Like, Man, she's great. She, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha tries to escape from the studio, but she gets thrown over the railing of a staircase by the killer. I just want to throw in really quick. Tara Reed did all her own stunts. What? That's pretty incredible. For this entire scene. Even the falling off the thing. She did that there herself. There you go, girl. I know. Yeah. I hope she was wired because right. holy I think, shit. I, I'm sure she was. Okay. But I was like. Good for you. That's, I thought that was really badass. So Tom Cruise is pulling a Tara Reed. <laughs> I, apparently. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> but she hangs onto the corner. And when the killer tries to hit her fingers with the axe, she lets go, injuring her leg in the fall. She limps away to an elevator with the killer in pursuit, but the doors close just in time. She she got in there and walked in a fucking circle and then pushed the button. <laughs> she did. I don't... I like, what are you I doing? I just feel like the elevator in general was foolish because you don't know where they're at now. No, and of oh, course, yeah. the killer obviously just starts taking the stairs. Yeah, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Third floor? Gotcha. The elevator literally tells on you <laughs> exactly. where you're going. But once Sasha gets to the third floor, she slinks down, begging for help into the microphone. Natalie runs through the rain to the radio station as Reese hears Sasha's cries for help in her cruiser. She's like, what the fuck? This is a weird broadcast. (laughs) (laughs) Sasha crawls back into the studio, locking the door behind her. But Natalie gets into the building and she sees Sasha crying for help from a window on the third floor. The killer, though, makes their way into the room. Sasha says that she doesn't want to die, but the killer isn't really looking for notes right now. And so (laughs) the killer just hacks her to death with the axe. After the murder, the killer waves at Natalie, who runs out of the building to Paul's dorm. Okay, is that an urban legend? 
the radio. No, <laughs> <laughs> I no. Sasha didn't deserve it. Well, at least, and I don't think it's an urban legend. Not that I know of. I mean, how did she run around that whole time with that headset still connected? Especially in the nineties. Yeah, there would have been. It would have been was spotty. No tooth or some shit like it that. It was a oh, magic that right? headset. Yeah, uh-huh. that's the urban legend. Yeah, time travel. <laughs> But she meets up with Paul and tells him what happened to Sasha. Once inside his dorm, she starts to act suspicious of Paul, asking where he was. He tells her that he was looking for help. The dean is gone, and he also couldn't find Reese. He tries to call the police, but the phone doesn't work because of the storm. He says they need to leave, but then he catches Natalie checking the phone. He's like, dude, I just told you. Like, It's like, why are you suspecting him yeah. now? Because he was gone for five minutes? Yeah. Mm, it's not enough. <laughs> Your evidence you is weak. You just saw the killer at the radio station. Yeah. That... Oh, well, although he does come into the dorm. I guess. So, I mean, what? I don't know. But they burst out of the building planning to go into town to find a phone, but they run right into Brenda. They tell her that Sasha is dead, and then the three of them run to Paul's car. We then see Reese finding Sasha's dead body at the station, and then she returns to her car on red alert, calling Dean Adams, but obviously not getting an answer because he's... He dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In Paul's car, Natalie asks if they smell anything, which is, by the way, is primo, I farted but don't want anyone to know it was me <laughs> behavior. Do you guys smell that? That's horrible. <laughs> Something, ooh, not me though. But Brenda suggests that they stop at a gas station to see if they have a phone, which they do. Paul bails out of the car to go check inside the gas station. In the car, Brenda agrees that something does stink. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie rolls down the window and Brenda apologizes for freaking out about her kissing Paul. She says if they like each other, they should be together. And then they hug. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Natalie should be apologizing to Brenda. Absolutely. And she just accepts it like, you're right. I do deserve yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. She's, it's awful. And this isn't the time. No. It's really yeah, not. It's not the time for that. <laughs> it's really not. Again, this is our protagonist. Our friend is dead. Yeah. <laughs> And we just smelled something funky. Right, like, and you be... farted. <laughs> yeah. Like, fuck, what? If anything, she should be apologizing for that. But... <laughs> but just then, they do hear an alarm going off. They get out of the car and head to the trunk where the sound is emanating from. Inside the trunk, they find Wexler's corpse. I thought it was a nice little tie-in to his watch alarm from earlier. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. It was like, good, good show. But the girls look inside the gas station at Paul, who was on the phone, and then they take off running into the scraggly woods. Wouldn't you run into the lit gas station where there were multiple people inside? Where Paul yes. just can't Witnesses. straight yeah. murk you in front of everyone? Yeah. yeah. And have Brenda call, because I don't think the dean gave the police Brenda's <laughs> no. name. Dude, seriously, I didn't even think about that. No, let's run into the dark ass woods. <laughs> They're like, is this Paul? <laughs> Bullshit. But Paul chases after them, and Natalie says that they'll run back to campus. I don't know why. It's just odd dialogue for me. <laughs> where are we going? We're running back to yeah. campus. All right. <laughs> Break. But somehow Natalie loses Brenda and calls out to her. No, it's it's not somehow. I'm sorry. I laughed so hard. Brenda fucking eats it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And Natalie keeps fucking going. No, dude. I think she she starts chopping. She's going faster. <laughs> like she sees her phone. She's like, oh, shit. It's like opportunity. Can, she yeah. eats her. it hard. I'm like, you are the shittiest friend on the planet. Well, she Again. got closure. They apologized. <laughs> she was like, I'm Fuck free. It. I'm free. Yeah. Well, she also farted. So she's running light. <laughs> <laughs> But we hear Brenda scream, and then Paul calls out to Natalie again. Natalie gets back to the road and flags down the first car she sees, which just so happens to be our friend, Weird Janitor. Right. 
He tells her to get inside, and once she does, he tells her that she can wear his coat, but when she looks at it, of course, it's a parka. Yeah. She eyes him suspiciously. It's like, not everyone can be the killer, dude. <laughs> you just suspected Paul, now you it's him. You know that everyone has this parka. So. Yes, yeah. you're already aware of that. <laughs> That's not a smoking gun. No, but she tells him to let her out, and he's like, what? She tries to open the door, but he says it won't open from the inside, and asks, what the hell is wrong with her? He's like, what is this, death proof? Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> but just then... Weird janitor notices an oncoming car doesn't have their headlights on and he flashes his at them and Natalie's like, no, (laughs) the oncoming car flips a bitch and follows them, flashing their headlights. Of course, it's the killer. The killer pulls up alongside them, ramming weird janitor's truck into a ditch. He gets knocked out, but Natalie bails from the car and runs back into the scraggly woods. This man tried to help you and you just leave him for dead. Yeah, he's clearly not dead. You could... (laughs) Natalie sucks. Wake dude. up, wake up, weird janitor. Or something. Oh my God. Uh, but he got, it almost looked like he wrecked that truck on purpose. <laughs> it was kind of like he was like, fuck this. He was over it. Yeah. He wanted to get out of the movie too. God damn. <laughs> this He's is like, my only out. <laughs> fuck it. Hootie had the right idea. Yeah. yeah. Is there a microwave nearby? <laughs> Back at the station, Reese grabs her gun, summoning all her courage after looking at a Foxy Brown poster. Natalie makes it back to campus tries to use an emergency phone, but hears Brenda screaming for help from inside Stanley Hall. How did you get here before me? You busted oh, yeah. ass in the woods and I had a ride halfway. Well, <laughs> I, I don't understand. Brenda's quick. <laughs> it's a deleted scene that they, she was, well, she's a swimmer, so she's fat. Uh, she's, she's athletic. Exactly. Natalie looks up to see a light in the window. It looks like a bunch of candles burning. And then she goes and kind of like breaks inside Stanley Hall through a window herself. Sure. All right. <laughs> But she follows the sounds of Brenda's cries for help, only to discover the dead bodies of Parker, Dean Adams, and Damon inside one of the abandoned dormitories. This little haunted house setup, though. Wow. That's that's a lot, man. (laughs) I I want you to remember this, because I want to talk about it in a bit, but I do want to say two dead bodies inside a closet, one inside the bed, just like John Carpenter's Halloween. Yeah. Natalie then stumbles upon a room filled with candles. In it, she finds Brenda knocked out on a bed. She kneels down crying, but she turns around with her back to the bed and Brenda rises up and slugs her in the jaw, knocking her out. A little indelicate. Is that an urban legend? (laughs) (laughs) Brenda smiles as we fade to black. When we fade back in, Brenda walks in wearing the parka and says, gotcha, to Natalie. My only thought, my initial thought is... Brenda's strong as fuck. Exactly. Yeah. Bitch, how that's, are you doing no, all this? See, and that's that's where my issue is because if Brenda was the one doing all of this, she got okay, we'll talk. Also, just very quickly, park up person, this entire film has been played by a large man. Yes, cl- very clearly. <laughs> Can we just be honest. Not even trying to hide it. No. <laughs> but Natalie is gagged and tied to the bed, giving the craziest of eyes. Brenda says that she'll take off the gag if Natalie promises not to scream. She says she got enough of that with Sasha and then mockingly waves at Natalie like she did earlier at the murder scene. She rips off the gag and Natalie says that Brenda is fucking crazy and asks her why. Now, Rebecca Gayhart is putting on a clinic here. She shines. This performance is so fucking good. Yeah. I love it so much. But Brenda mocks her and says that Natalie still hasn't figured it out. But lucky for her... Brenda has a visual aid. She then starts a slide projector or a carousel, as Don Draper would say. (laughs) (laughs) The first picture is Brenda in happier times standing next to a man that she says was the love of her life. When the photo doesn't ring a bell, she goes to the next slide. 
a photo of a newspaper saying that the man was killed in an apparent gang initiation. Natalie gets it now. The man that she and Michelle killed during their stupid prank all those years ago was Brenda's fiance. I know I've said this multiple times. I am a sucker for a revenge story. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but even all the shit that Brenda's done, I'm kind of okay with I'm Lucille Blue. <laughs> Is that good for her? Exactly. Is that wrong? I don't know. Probably, but who cares? Natalie says that Brenda needs help, and Brenda's like, I already tried therapy and it didn't work. Brenda says that Natalie killed her fiance with an urban legend, so she's gonna return the favor with her favorite one. She reveals a table of surgical tools and says that she's going to do the kidney heist. She quickly walks through the story of a man being drugged by a girl he meets at a bar, only to wake up in a bathtub full of ice with his kidney missing. She says she doesn't think it ever really happened, though, until tonight. We about to get crazy. Oh, yeah. We then see Reese parking outside of Stanley Hall, and Natalie says that Brenda won't get away with it, but Brenda says she will, explaining that Wexler will take the fall, recounting Natalie's previous theory as if it were the truth. Question, though. Okay. Um, A, how is this death an urban legend? It wasn't. And B... <laughs> Who, Wexler? <laughs> yeah, I don't mean to answer my own question. <laughs> <laughs> B, didn't putting Wexler in the back of Paul's vehicle frame Paul, not Wexler? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i don't know i do not know but brenda says that's enough chat nat which has made me laugh and apparently now is time for the stabbing so natalie bites brenda's finger as she stupid. goes to put the gag back on her which again is very stupid and she does get slapped super hard in the face for it and the gag goes back on anyway so <laughs> way to go what did we what did we gain <laughs> a for effort i guess Brenda starts torturing her with a scalpel, stabbing the wrong places on purpose, but then Reese just jumps into the room ready to save the day. I read that the shots of her cutting into her were added after to up the gore factor of the film. Really? Yeah. The dog in the microwave wasn't yeah. enough. <laughs> wasn't enough. God damn. But Reese forces Brenda to the window, and Brenda pulls a blade, though, slashing Reese and starting a tussle. Brenda wins, shooting Reese in the body, I guess. You don't really see where I it goes. <laughs> the editing was not yeah, great here. Know. But she picks up Reese's gun, turns it on Natalie, and she says that killing her will drive Paul into her arms. She'll have her revenge, and Paul will have his Pulitzer. Paul rounds the corner, though. Where the hell I, did you come he's from? He's just been listening this whole time. <laughs> yeah. like did they say snake my name? <laughs> against the wall, yeah. Is that my cue? All, All right. <laughs> but Paul is applauding seemingly siding with Brenda, asking her to give him the gun since he's all in on this whole murder plot. <laughs> Brenda doesn't fall for it, though, and then she tries to decide who to kill first. I want to give points for her not falling for it. Absolutely. Because I feel like any other movie, it's, yeah, we can be together. Just give me the gun. Right. And then, okay, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> next thing, now she's in oh, handcuffs. Oh, yeah. oh, no. How did this? But thankfully, no. However, before she can decide who she wants to kill first, Reese shoots her in the arm with a second gun. I was like, Reese had two guns? Well, she grabbed her Foxy Brown gun, and then I guess she had an ankle one. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> earlier when they showed her, she pulled out the tiniest gun. She did. And, and it was like, what? That's the one that she shot Brenda with, was this one. Right. So I guess it was maybe setting it up for yeah, later. I don't... This isn't the gun, guys. Uh... Yeah. But Brenda drops the gun, and Natalie picks it up. Brenda's like, you're going to shoot me? What kind of friend are you? I'm like, this Fantastic. is great. <laughs> great work. But Natalie does shoot her, and it sends her falling out of the window. Paul and Natalie embrace, and then they check on Reese and get her help. 
they check on Reese and then fucking leave her. Yeah, Thank well, you. It's it's really bad. I think I feel like they added it later because as they're driving away, they're like, "Well, I'm glad those paramedics are going to help Reese." Well, it's like that's they're so, on their way. Y'all just yeah, left no. her exactly. there. She'll be fine. That's what I said. They fucking left her to die. They did. They just took off. You don't know anybody was there. Where are they going? Thank you. Where? I don't know. Thank you. But they're going in a hurry. And isn't Wexler oh, yeah. still in the back? You're right. <laughs> oh, shit. What are y'all doing? I don't even know. But Natalie realizes that this will all become an urban legend. And then Paul asks, when do we get to the twist if this is an urban legend? And then Brenda lurches ah! up in the backseat. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm sorry. Not only did y'all leave Reese, you didn't even check to find Brenda's body outside. No, they all three left together, but they forgot she was in the back. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you're Fuck, here? I forgot yeah. you were here. But Brenda has the axe with her as well. In the mayhem, Paul crashes into the side of the bridge, sending Brenda through the windshield and into the water below. They get out of the car and watch Brenda's body float away. They hug again as police sirens wail in the distance. A while later, some random college student at another little coffee shop is telling this whole story to his group of friends, saying that they never found Brenda's body. The friends laugh and say the story is bullshit and just clown him a bunch. In their clothes, I'm like, are we in the 70s now? I yeah, told you, time I did, travel. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand that either. I don't I, really know either. The other thing, though, is what the one girl said about Brenda. She's like, yeah, Brenda's the girl from the Noxzema commercial. And Rebecca Gayhart yeah. Yeah. was the girl from the Noxzema commercial. Another immersion breaking funny. moment. I thought it was funny. That's all right. I laughed. <laughs> but the storyteller asks if anyone believes him and a girl raises her hand. The camera swoops around to reveal it's Brenda. She says that he didn't tell it right, though. But she tells the group to listen up, saying that this is how the story really goes. She smiles and we fade to black as the credits roll. So what did you guys think of Urban Legend? I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion or not. Glad she lived. Team Brenda. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know we talk about representation a lot. And looking back through my own child's mind, I always liked her. And I think it's because she had big curly hair. No joke. Yeah, um, me too. But I'm like, I always liked her, even when I was a kid. Like when you're supposed to root for, yeah. not root for the bad guys. But again, I love a good revenge story. And there were, I guess, breadcrumbs. Um, the Latin motto for the school when translated says, the best friend did it. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. It's hilarious. That's pretty cool. Um, it does kind of fall apart at the end. I like the very end leading up to it. It's a little sketchy. And it really relies heavily on Scream, whether yes. they want to oh, admit yeah. it or not. But yeah, I like I still like this. Like I was worried rewatching it that it was gonna kind of miss for me, but <laughs> I still like it. I I I do. Um Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's like pass. Yeah. Yeah. I I did not care for this. Like really? I like I watched it and I was like, okay, I don't remember this. I didn't remember the cast. I didn't I feel like it there were there were too many similarities to Scream. To, there was a lot. There were a lot. You know what I mean? It, it was just like, oh man, you guys aren't even the good teen horror group. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just I don't know. It it was a lot of besides the girl at the beginning grabbing a weapon or the pepper spray, mm -hmm. none of them carried a weapon with them. Yeah, and there was a lot of killings going on. So yeah, <laughs> and you would, would think, think, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, the police thing again, just her being by herself. Hell, even in Scream, they showed other cops, but they were never... I read that there was going to be more, but it was a, a budgetary 
thing. I was I was joking. No, it was. Well, fuck. Well, I mean, but come on. No, I mean, you're not wrong. Not you at know, all. You're not wrong. I don't know. It was just it was just kind of weird for me. And then, like I said, watching it now from before, I remember watching it. And I was like, oh, it was okay, whatever. But watching it now, I was like. This is, this is fucking I, weird. I will piggyback on your cons. I didn't mention because I was still on a high from uh, Brenda making it. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I feel like Wexler was kind of wasted. Yeah. And I, I feel like the weird janitor was very oddly that, utilized. Yeah, that was. I feel like there should have been some twist where uh, maybe not he was the one that killed everybody, but. Maybe he knew something. Like I know there's this knowing moment between and, him and Paul, and but don't make him like don't make him so weird. Stereotypical. Where, yeah, yeah, literally, like, your yeah. name is Ooh, Weird Janitor. Yeah, come on. I think that it very easily could have been Dean Adams in the back of the car instead of Wexler. Uh, it, it could have been. Yeah. yeah. And my idea to make the movie better is to give Brenda an accomplice. Yes. I know maybe you're really trying not to be screamed, so you're like, one killer, one killer. Yeah, yeah. But how you get the bodies into Stanley Hall, how, you know, oh. being in two places at once and yeah. stuff. You could make it Wexler because he has the tie to the history. Yeah. yeah. No, that would have been perfect. I read, though, and I think this was like, no, everything's fine. But somebody had said that since at the end they're retelling that story so if anything doesn't make sense they just got it wrong in their mm. retelling of the urban legend you know I honestly, and that's why brenda's like no that this is what really happened i actually like that honestly because I mean, it feeds into that theme right right it really does but also like why couldn't we watch what really happened yeah <laughs> <laughs> because then you couldn't have that knowing smile at the end uh mm. I, I'm with you. I, I I love this movie still. Yeah. I think it's a great idea, even though it is a little derivative of Scream. I think it could also have very easily been an anthology film instead. It uh, Yes. I would <laughs> watch that. Yeah, oh, I agree. Yeah. Um, good performances, except for Alicia Wick. Except for the lead. <laughs> yeah. I think that Rebecca Gayhart just steals the show. She really does. And I would have loved to see her act opposite Danielle Harris instead. Yeah. But we never got that film. <laughs> I feel like the whole movie, I was like, why couldn't Rebecca Gayhart be Natalie? Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I'm like, that's nope. why. Because yeah. she is perfect. That's why. Yeah. But I guess that leads us to ratings. I'm probably going to get some looks at this table. <laughs> but I got to be honest, I still love this movie. Like I said, I think there's a lot of good in it. There's a lot of very 90s moments that don't make a lot of sense and are somewhat derivative of the things that came before. Mm hmm. But I think that it's a very smart idea yeah, and done in a way that isn't unsuccessful. Right. I do want to revisit the sequel, though. Yeah, I don't remember it at all. So, yeah, I would like to do that, too. Yeah. I don't remember if it was good or anything. Me neither. Um, I didn't watch any of them, so I don't know. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. I do think that with franchises coming back so much, I feel like this could make a comeback in the form of maybe creepypastas. Hmm. But... That has nothing to do with my rating, so I'll just keep going. Um, Not to go on and on and on or repeat everything I said. I just feel like something is missing. And I feel bad as a person talking about this movie and not knowing what that thing is to to say this is what it needed, aside from a better performance from the lead. That's number one. That is number one. Yes. But again, I feel like I'm going to get some looks. So I'm just going to go out flat out and say it. Out of 10 stories that I heard from my cousin's sister's roommate's mailman (laughs) 
I'm going to give Urban Legend seven out of ten stories I heard from my cousins, sisters, <laughs> roommates, mailman. And I'll now open the floor to you. I'll jump in here. Um, what saves this movie for me is Rebecca Gayhart. Absolutely. Really can't say enough. I really, really love her in this. Uh, it's a really, really great premise. And most of the movie I really love. But there is some pieces where I'm like, stop. <laughs> stop it. I do like you brought up the inconsistency thing. Because mm-hmm. that is such a smart in-universe way to get out of fucking up. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely like a scapegoat. Absolutely. And the nostalgia as well plays a factor. For sure. Yeah. So I'm not giving you looks. Oh. Uh, and I have it written right here. I agree with you. No shit. On a scale from one to 10, stories that I heard from my cousins, sisters, <laughs> roommates, mailman. I also give Urban Legend seven out of 10 stories that I heard <laughs> from my cousins, sisters, roommates, mailman. I am very surprised, but I welcome it. Now, John Paul, let's, let's here we go. get brought Bring it right all back down. under. <laughs> so, all right. Now, here's where I tell you guys are both wrong. <laughs> um, no, the, the movie, I mean, it's it's what it is. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't bad. The, like I said, the cast, to me anyway, not saying anything about like what they've done or whatever, because I do know who they are, but it, it, it does seem like a bench team to <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr., uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, mm-hmm. uh, What's the Sarah oh, Michelle uh, Geller? Sarah the, Michelle Geller was cast in this as Sasha, but she couldn't because of Buffy. But uh, she was cast well, in this. You know, it's funny. I read that the director of this wanted to direct. I know what you did last summer yeah. and then got this gig instead. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like I said, it is a good movie, but I, I didn't see it that much when it came out watching it now. And I think what you said really destroyed this movie for me what did i do <laughs> no uh it's the lead fault. oh okay like she took me out of the whole movie and i was like oh my god can we replace you <laughs> yeah like and i'm sorry lady you know i'm sure you're wonderful but mm-hmm. I, it was like jeez you have beautiful hair <laughs> yes no yeah are i you, would love your that's hair all I have. are you compliment a- sandwiching her i'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> But it, it it is though, you know, it was it just it took me out of it. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, I don't even you know, I was like, you're just there saying shit. <laughs> Not even feeling it. Yeah, really. yeah. I was like, eh, everybody else is fine. But, oh yeah. You know. Um, so out of ten stories I heard from my cousins, sisters, roommates, mailman, <laughs> I wanna give this. Five stories I heard from my cousins, sisters, roommates, mailman. I want to stay in the middle because it's not, like I said, it's not a hundred percent dog shit. <laughs> but it 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 just didn't really like I don't know. It did it didn't do for me what I was hoping it would do. Right. You know, like I was hoping to come back and watch and be like, oh, all right, you know what I mean? This wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Right. That's how I watched it. Yeah, but that's <laughs> had the opposite effect. <laughs> But I, I guess I'm in the minority here hmm. because I talked to a couple of my buddies the other day uh, on the game when I was on the PlayStation and I was like, man, you know, we're going to this and that and I got to watch this movie for the show. And they were like, oh, I fucking love that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, 
I was like, wow. You're like, I said urban legend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm honestly surprised to hear that because I feel like this movie does not get the credit it deserves. I agree. People talk about I Know What You Did Last Summer I, a lot. I really feel like it's not even in the conversation. I feel like this, in my opinion, is superior to that film at least. I got to rewatch, but yeah, I, I, as I a knee jerk, uh, I would agree. But I mean, maybe hopefully you also watched the movie and enjoyed it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm <no>. hopeful. <laughs> Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Urban Legend and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at RealStreeter84. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Windigo Getter patrons. And remember, though they may seem far-fetched, every legend contains a kernel of truth. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned until after the music. We want to give a very special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Hooray. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> a very special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Melanie Van Houston, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Gary Fender, Jordan Nash, Kent and Allison Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, and Mandy. Thank you all so much. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Did you ever hear the one about the podcast that had the best friends you could ask for? I, no, wait, that, that was happened real. to me. Yeah. <laughs> that happened to us. <laughs> Suffice it to say, your support is the stuff of legends. Hey. hey. <laughs> Yours was better. <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> Until next time.